All right, I want to talk to you just for a little while. Um, I think I mentioned last week I want to talk about uh, dungeons or prisons and strong towers. Um, I don't want us to just think about the physical. I'm thinking about uh, even the situation that we were hearing in those testimonies. You know, don't know which way to turn, what to do about this child, or I'm supposed to be doing this dance course, but now I can't do it. What on, what on earth do I do? I mean, I think that it would be very strange if we couldn't, at some point in our lives, really identify with that, uh, don't know which way to turn. So I'm going to talk about a, a prison or dungeon as being a kind of restricted place, somewhere where you can't really, you're not free to, to move, uh, where there's opposition, um, and quite probably not there through choice. You end up in a situation which, uh, you know, if you had your choice, you wouldn't be there. Yeah, anybody identify with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's natural reactions to that. Natural reactions can be uh, fear or anger. Uh, it's not fair, re kind of retaliating, who's to blame, that type of thing. Then there can be the kind of uh, what if. What if this happens now? What if that happens now? Which really is a, is a commentary that adds to the, the fear and to, to the difficulty of the situation. Uh, I think, I don't know whether it was last week, but um, recently we were looking at that and how um, the disciples in the boat in the storm and they're in a, in a situation which they frankly wouldn't have chosen. But then it kind of goes into, do you not really care for us, Lord? Are you not really concerned about how we are? And you see the kind of satanic pattern that takes a situation that wouldn't be of our choosing and it's difficult and it's tough and then begins to kind of twist it and turn it to say, who are we going to blame? Well, in the end, what about you, Lord? You know, uh, you're supposed to be in control. And it's a, it's a very um, unpleasant place to be. Now, it's true to say that sometimes God uses those circumstances, difficult circumstances, and I've lost count of the number of times that I've heard people uh, express or testify to the fact that in the most extreme or difficult time, they met God in a, in a particular and special way. And I think that's great, and that's wonderful, and that's a reality. And we see in various things in stories in the Bible, um, where there was, if you like, a supernatural, a clear supernatural purpose or an intervention. You remember the story about Paul and Silas in, in prison, and uh, uh, there's this earthquake or whatever, and the thing falls down, and and uh, the jailer's just about to kill himself uh, because he knows that's what's going to happen. And then, in the end, through that, not only do the family come uh, also to know God, because he says, you shall be this day, you shall be saved, and your family, uh, but also it's a time of, uh, of great praise. So something that looked like a, a very difficult situation, they were in prison, they didn't want to be there, they shouldn't have been there, uh, and then 
there's, a, there's a, a, an intervention of God that completely turns it around and makes it a different thing. Then we know also the story of Peter. Uh, he was there in prison, not much he could do about it. Um, shackled and chained and to guards on either side and all this sort of thing. And then the angel of the Lord comes and uh, leads him out. I mean, the chains fall off. I mean, it's fantastic stuff. It's wonderful. Uh, just to see God showing what God can do. And uh, sometimes in those extreme situations, and we've often heard testimony here about an extreme situation when God intervenes. So it can be sometimes something that God does. It can be a route through. For Joseph, uh, who had this promise that he was going to take a, a major role in basically in leadership or rulership, uh, his time in prison hardly um, looked as though he was on the right course. Something had gone severely wrong. Uh, he, he had this vision, this dream. Um, it looked as though things were working out for him. Then he has this situation in Potiphar's house, ends up uh, in, in prison, and it just doesn't seem to be kind of... Well, let's come back to the testimony we heard. It doesn't seem to work out according to what we'd understood and what he'd understood. And yet, in this time in prison, we see it in Psalm 105, verse 19, God was working out his purpose. And his purpose in this was to test him on the very word that God had spoken, was using that perverse circumstance to actually test him uh, to see if he was proven against the word which God had spoken. In other words, the development for him. Equally, let's remember, we turn to New Testament and Hebrews 11. There were many people who were imprisoned, who were tortured, who were put to death, who didn't get an escape. It didn't happen. But it says in each case, they were... They were Heroes of faith. They chose to trust God and they are rewarded and recognised and there, 2,000 years later, we're referring to people who by faith went through that and we will have that opportunity in one great and glorious day of meeting such people. Then you've got that uh, wonderful scripture, count it all joy when you... Um, encounter various trials and tribulations. You may remember that that was a particular pertinent scripture to me because I'd started to talk on the book of James just about a week or so before I had that fall and damaged my leg. And counting it all joy. You know, I never did believe that counting it all joy was, well, you know, I've done this damage and uh, uh, praise God for a damaged leg. That just seemed bonkers, you know, that sort of foolishness. And I think it was, it was some time afterwards that I came to understand again that there are things that God works out in times like that. And it's there, it's a, it's a truth that somehow things that, that could not be worked into us any other way, God uses that. So we've got these sort of... Um, circumstances which we prefer really not to be facing. And 
um, we have the opportunity. Yeah, sometimes it works out good. Sometimes it can have a good outcome. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but how is it? How is it that we can come to this place? Difficult as it is, and yet somehow come through into a positive place. In a perverse situation, yet coming into a place of peace and rest and knowing God in a special way. Well, you don't need me to tell you that that's because he always provides and it's not determined by the circumstances and the situation that we find ourselves in. So we can be in a, let's call it a restricted place, in a situation which we would prefer not to be in, and yet still find a place in God. Now, there's an old saying, is, I don't think it's in the Bible, it might be, uh, but I don't, don't know that it is. It's where God wants the sheep to go, he first takes the shepherd. That comes from, of course, the Eastern form of shepherding. You know, in the, in the Western country we drive sheep you have a, what used to be sheep dogs I suppose you still have them but now it's it's uh, um, four wheel drive things and what have you whatever, what do you call those things uh, little buggy things quad, quad bikes that's right yes and that's because there's a driving ahead we've got to understand that in the picture that is used in the scripture it's always that the shepherd was, was leading and the sheep Followed. So I guess that's where it comes from, uh, where the sheep are to go, he first takes the shepherd. And I'm talking out of things that I've been processing, processing and working through, that there are sometimes situations and circumstances which you would prefer not to face, prefer not to have. And yet there's a place of finding God in that, which is very real and very wonderful. And that is this. As we started off this morning, there's a place where we can come where we find grace to help in time of need. That's otherwise translated strength to help in time of need. So there's two possibilities. We can react against the, the circumstance with all sorts of vigour and, and uh, reaction and that sort of thing. Or we can say, hmm, is there a place even in this? And then we come into this. We come into this, uh, yes, don't want to dwell in all the awfulness of the situation or the what if this or what if that. So then we remember the scripture. Scripture says uh, that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or fixed on him. So, okay, right, no, so what we need to do is turn our mind away from all these things and it doesn't remove them. We're not talking about some out-of-body experience. We're talking about changing the channel, the channel being changed. You know when you change a channel on the, on, on the television or the station on the radio? It's actually turning and saying, I will choose not to follow the thinking pattern, which is natural in this reaction, in this situation, but to actually tune into God's pattern, tune into his 
thinking pattern, to set my mind upon him, because the word of God says that's a place of perfect peace. That's a place where nothing can kind of interfere with that place of peace. Okay, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, I set my mind on him, but I can't do it. Because every time I try to do it, my mind begins to think again, you know. Uh, I'm thinking about that horrible Mark Baden and the things he said to me and, you know. It's just mind goes that way. So what is it? Well, we come back to the very thing we know. We choose to do what we know is right and then we're not limited to the natural because we're no longer just natural. Well, I'm only natural, you know. No, you're not. Oh, no. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body, you're no longer only natural. We're supernatural. By his power, as we choose to do the thing that he says, he engages and enables us to do what we can't do naturally, to bring every thought into captivity. He can enable us to do that even as we choose to both obey him and gain his power. I can't, but he can. So let's look at the strong tower. This is where we can choose voluntarily to go. The other thing, unlikely to choose it. I always remember um, Noel Woodruff used to have a saying, he said, when God says you can, you can choose what you want, do what you like, I'm happy for you to do what you like, at that point, check yourself into jail. <laughs> you, know? you never want to be in that place where, of course we can, but we always want to be see, saying, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? I choose not to do that. I, I choose not to have that unlimited freedom. There's this story uh, laid out in Exodus 21 where there comes a certain point where a slave can be released and go free, served his time. But it says, if the slave says, but I love my master and I choose to stay here, there's this sort of thing about, it's the first ear piercing in the scripture. You take, a, take him by a doorpost and get an awl or a, a um, bridle and, and whack it through his ear just to make a mark that he now has moved from that into being part of your um, family, I suppose. In other words, it's an option to choose not to go out free, not to go my way, not to sort it out my way. I choose to come into the strong tower. I choose a restrictive place which is provided by God. I choose not to have this unending freedom, but to go where he wants me to go. I think we tend to call it surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Letting him have the decision about what we do, how we think, where we go, in all that sort of thing, in the totality of life, choosing to submit to his rule. Giving up, fighting for ourselves giving up resisting, giving up the right to be bitter or to revenge. Psalm, 100 and, sorry, Psalm 61 says this, about the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Uh, and it says, For you have been my refuge 
a strong tower against the foe, a place of safety, a place of rest, a strong tower, a place of absolute security. And then again in Proverbs 18, 10, it's a song we sing sometimes, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run in and are safe. Let's just understand what it means, the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is not just saying God or saying Jesus. It's not just, it's not just a name. It's about gaining everything that is encapsulated in that name. It's about all those things, his promise to us, never to leave us or forsake us, the covenant that he's made with us, the attributes that he has, the provision that he makes. See, this coming into this strong town is gaining everything as we choose to turn from handling it ourselves and come under his lordship and into his place where we can expect and receive his power to live under his lordship. Place of security, a very, very strong tower. A place where there's something, let's call it the real you and the real me, that somehow we're not, it's not an out of body experience, it's that we can't be touched and affected. There's a peace and a place that cannot be reached by the enemy because we're in the strong tower. We're encompassed around by his love. There's a protection for the mind which only he can give. A place of great peace, a place of healing. Zechariah 9 verse 12 talks about being a prisoner of hope. Somebody who has something birthed within them and they, they're, they're trapped to it. You can't help it. You can't, you can't take it away. You're, you're imprisoned in the fact that Jesus is my Lord that one day I'm going to stand before him, but daily I can walk with him. That's part of the prisoner of hope that he brings us to be. A wonderful place, hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a kind of thinking on the bright side. It's about something that God places within us, bound to a sense of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is not naturally possible to actually set our minds upon him that know that he's powerful enough to overcome all. We look through whatever the present is and recognise we're in a strong place, a place where we can anticipate his resolve, his way through. And for those in Hebrews 11, that wasn't. Their anticipation was the greater reward that they were going to get in heaven. For many, is not in that situation. It's in the situation when God intervenes or when that release comes, that glorious homecoming. That's why we have a kind of key and we've practiced it and we certainly discovered it and actually we've been doing it this morning. That is giving God thanks because that very issue of thankfulness is one of the absolute keys to a change in the channel. That actually, um, Lamentations 3.21 says, This I recall and bring to mind, and therefore I have hope. There's something about this issue of thankfulness, this willingness to turn and switch to the other channel. What am I thanking God for? That actually switches us into this place of the strong tower, this wonderful place, a place of thankfulness, a key that changes 
the channel. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I'm glad it always says passing through rather than camping out there because we know that that's coming to a, a conclusion, an end. True freedom is not about what's happening around, not about what's happening to me. True freedom is what we find in Ephesians 2, verse 6, being seated together with him in heavenly places. You think of it, you know, like sort of seated up high, you know, and all the other stuff is kind of somehow going on below. You sort of somehow, you're there, but it's no longer submerging you. You're in a different place because it's the place that he's provided in his uh, wonderful power and gospel in order to be with him. I couldn't help. This might just be my bit that I've tapped on the end. Is that all right? A little bit for me. Because I had this thought of a strong tower, a safe place that had purpose. And then I remembered for many years when I was growing up, I had a desire, I had an objective that when I grew up, I wanted to be a lighthouse keeper. And in those days, there were people that actually lived in them for a certain period of time. Now it's all automatic, so I would have been out of work. So praise God. But a lighthouse keeper. Now I was attracted to being away from people. Now, don't, don't take it personally. But I thought about it. I thought, wow. Think about a safe and secure place. But not just to kind of crawl in and be safe. It's a place of purpose. Not just being there to be there, it's being there to maintain the light, to watch out for others. To actually, from this safe and secure place, to have a purpose, a God-given purpose, something that God's set before us so that we can be to the benefit of others. I thought, wow, I must just have the indulgence of adding that in. Strong tower, a safe place in him place of peace, irrespective of what's happening around, a place of knowing him. I mean, take the lighthouse again, the waves can be raging, the storm can be going on, but safe place, but still with a purpose that wasn't just about me, it's about others. You see, what does this come down to? We can be free, even though circumstances would restrict us or we could face issues. In the strong tower, we come into the place that he's designed for us. When we come into the situation of actually being there for purpose, like the lighthouse, we see that we're living in his plan, but also with his purpose. Think about it. Let me come back again. Inevitably, pretty unlikely that any one of us will never face something that we feel, I don't know which way to turn. And yet there's a God that's just as real in that situation. And there is a strong tower where we go in and are safe and gain everything that God has got for us. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how do we achieve that? Well, the same as we achieve anything from God. Lord, please help me. Please help me. Please give to me that which I need at this time.